Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. I'm Ryan Gregware. I'm joined with Sam Davis, Michael Calamari. You know, guys, we have some good today, some bad. I think let's start with the bad. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's rip the bandaid off. <laughs> and obviously, that's the New York Yankees. Um, you know, since I was on this podcast last time, I was pretty negative, but there was hope with the Twins and the Phillies coming up, and they did not really take care of business the way they should have. They're 5-13 and 13 in the last 18 now. They've slipped to one game over 500, 33-32, now nine back of first in the AL East. You know, it keeps swelling. We get later into the season, and it's, you know, wait for them to turn around, wait for them to turn around, and it still has not happened. And now being nine back, they have some major work to do if they want to be taken seriously. So, Mike, I'll start with you. What has gone wrong for the Yankees so far? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the lineup is the most of the problems with this team. I mean, they're batting 234 across the board. That's the team batting average. And it's 19th in the league, which is probably weaker for the Yankees. I mean, it's a team you're expecting to be top 10 in almost every category hitting-wise coming into the year. Even at, when after you get past Judge, the lineup gets really, really weak. And it's tough for Aaron Boone to put together a lineup that you think is going to get hits. I mean, you talk about that Phillies game Sunday. They had two hits by the end of the sixth inning, and that's just insanely weak. I mean, if it weren't for DJ LeMayu, they would have had been no hit in the sixth inning. So – I think these are serious problems and they, the Yankees need to address. And it's kind of shocking we're talking about the hitting as the problem because it's been the pitching for almost the entire decade of Yankee problems, but now it's the hitting. So if this lineup can't seem to get it together, it's going to be in serious trouble to even make a wild card bid at the very least. Yeah, I mean, you can't expect uh, the pitching to – to hold up to what they were pitching like earlier in the year, I think. I mean, this was obviously like, and I'm talking starting pitching, probably the weakest part of this team, at least going into the year, like we mentioned. Um, And I know that doesn't excuse um, the pitching over the weekend because the pitching over the weekend was terrible, to be honest. But um, you can't expect them to go out and really produce dominant start after start of two, three runs earned. um, Because, I mean, this lineup at some point is supposed to just get going. This lineup is – you know, I feel like we talk about it every week. We look at this lineup and they look like they should be producing and they aren't. And, and, and I don't really know the answer as, as to why that's the case. All I know is that it's not happening. Um, and you, you can't ask this rotation to do any more than they've done so far this year, to be honest. Even with, you know, now Kluber's hurt, Severino injury. I'm, I mean, we're going to get into that, I'm sure. Those are two big losses because there's so much pressure around this lineup to produce because the lineup has been really struggling. So to me, that's a huge concern is that the pitching seems to be getting worse and the lineup isn't getting any better. So something has to give here. Either this lineup has to produce more and this Yankees team needs to start scoring some serious runs. But even so, you can't have a team that that either carries offensively or carries with the pitching staff. They have to be more consistent and they haven't been at all. 
And, and that's a real worry if, if they want to, let's say, win the division, which I think everyone, even maybe now, people are still thinking this Yankees team is the favorite. They should win the division. I, I think that that time is, uh, has gone, to be honest. I think this, this AL East is a very good division. The Rays are proving themselves as right, you know, the best team in this division right now. And I don't even think it's close at the moment. Um, just looking at the standings, it isn't. I, I don't think this is a lock that the Yankees win this division. I was um, saying for a while, eventually they're going to turn it around just because I'm looking at this lineup and they look so, you know, it's such a good lineup on paper. Um, but the fact that they continue to struggle, they're not consistent, I don't know. I, I think the panic level is pretty high if you're a Yankees fan right now. Yeah, you brought up something, Sam, that we talked about last week. And, like, it's about the pitching because when the offense wasn't hitting, the pitching was carrying them early in the year, right? Yeah. You know, coming off that sweep with the White Sox, they go up nine games over 500. They won five straight scoreless outings by the starting staff. And we knew that wasn't sustainable. And while they're still, they're still third in the AL and ERA – so the pitching is still a strength, but now you're seeing it flip because, you know, you take something out of the equation, they get dominated by Aaron Noah. The offense did show signs of turning around. Their last five games before that, they averaged 12 hits, six runs. They did beat up on the Twins. Even in the game they lost, they still hit. And then you saw it kind of flip, right? Chapman collapsed Thursday. You saw that game versus the Red Sox. On Sunday Night Baseball, the, bull, the bullpen blew it. We saw that game versus the Phillies where the Yankees scored seven runs. The bullpen blew it again. And so that's what's going to happen. When the bullpen was so dominant, right, 21-1 and one when leading after six. That's almost unheard of. That's flawless pitching out of the pen. You're going to have an overcorrection. And the hitting hasn't been – it hasn't overcorrected enough to the point where it can outweigh the pitching. And that's where you're seeing the struggles because now it's even when they do pitch well – they don't hit, and even when they finally hit for the first time in a week, Domingo Herman gets shelled, or someone else struggles. Tyone goes one out into the game, and that's where you see the issues. And I think it just all boils down to you have to you have to improve this team because you talked about it on paper, right? This is a good lineup. This is one of the best in the American League, best in baseball. But production-wise, 45% into the season, they're not that. DJ LeMayu has been the biggest regressor in the MLB this year. Before the home run on, um, on Saturday, he had like the ninth lowest slugging percentage in Yankees history. So he's been a complete non-factor on the plate. Clint Blazier has hit 180. He was supposed to be a starting left fielder. He was above average last year. He was a gold glove candidate. He's given you none of that this year. When you have Luke Voigt out, who led the league in homers last year, you know, you have all these things where they should be better. But at the end of the day, Rudin Odor was hitting third on Sunday. Good major league teams should not have him hitting third. I don't care who they should be, what the production is. There's just no reason he should be hitting third in a major league lineup for a competitive team. So if that's what you're rolling out there, then maybe it's not so good on paper. If that's the best you can do in the three-hole, what really is this team? Like I know Judge had an off day, and he's been the one really big bright spot. He's been consistent all year. He's been huge, but Rudy Odor cannot hit three. There's just no reason that can be the case. And when he does, you see the product as he did Sunday – they can't hit, and the guys at the plate, they can't hit. And there's a reason, because they're just not producing, and Odor is not a guy who can hit third. I know I just said that like three times, but when I saw that lineup on Sunday, I, I, you know, I, I clinched up. I was so, so upset, and the product showed. No, I, I mean, you're, you're totally correct. I mean, it's almost like Aaron Boone's searching for guys to give him a spark at this point, right. and there's just been none of that. And you talk about how, like, when the Yankees have had hot stretches this season – it's been because of the pitching. That's never been the history for the Yankees. It's always the hot bats where it's like two, three weeks straight, 
it's like either a bomb fest or gappers almost every day. And the Yankees might have three or four games of that this season, but that's been the extent to their hot hitting. And I mean, you talked about how like the products like really good. I just don't understand how it, the Yankees, like it's not that they're not paying guys. I mean, they've got the fourth most highest payroll in MLB last year. And then they, I mean, they had the highest payroll in, um, last year. And then they spent the fourth most money in free agency this year. So they've been signing guys. That's not the problem. It's just the guys they sign either a can't stay healthy or B can't, perform for a long period of time or a consistent period of time throughout a season. So when those two don't go together, you're not going to win ball games. So the Yankees need to find a formula similar to the Rays where no matter who the Rays have out there, they win ball games. They get timely hits. They get pitchers and go six, seven innings and give you a good outing. But the Yankees don't have that. They pay guys who get hurt and then they have to scramble to get these lineups and have to bat Rudin on door three because a quarter of the lineups hurt. So I think that's always been a problem for the Yankees, and it's just showing this year because the bats cannot consistently stay hot. Yeah, Ryan, you mentioned 45% through the season, and when I heard that, I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, First of all, it's gone by so quickly. But second of all, like the, the excuses for this team are over. You know, like We're not at a point where it's a slow start. We're at a point where this is not a good team, You know, at least in the first half of the year, approaching the all-star break, whatever. Like that, That's where I think um, the, the – uh, the excuses for this Yankees team kind of goes away because you're looking at the product on the field, like you said, and it's just not there. It's not consistent enough. It's if they're not, uh, they're not hitting to the level they have hit in the, in the past. They're not hitting very well at all this year. The pitching I think has kind of returned more to normal, what we almost expected. Um, you know, and then obviously I, th- I think the Severino injury, I think that was on Saturday on top of losing that game. Um, was just like insult to injury there. I mean, literally. Severino, it, it would have been, yeah, literally, exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, having he's Severino. Made glass. He's made a glass at this point. Yeah, I mean, and that was the thing where this, looking at this Yankees rotation going into the year, they, uh, a lot of people made the argument, well, you know, okay, we got, we got Kluber, <clears throat> we got Tyone, but Severino is going to be back and, he, and he's going to help us down the stretch. I, now you have no idea, first of all, when he's even going to come back, what he's going to be when he comes back. So that, that's a huge injury. Kluver was another big one because he was pitching really well. I think that was like kind of like a surprise to a lot of people that Kluver signing. A lot of people criticized it. He was great. Um, he was proving people wrong. And then now he's, he's been hurt as well. He'll be out. So that's another big issue. This, this rotation can only do so much. They're definitely going to level back down to earth, and it's time for this lineup to really pick things up if they want to stand any chance in this division because it's a quality division. The Rays are going to be staying there. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, some surprises later on. Um, you know, the Red Sox are another surprise. Uh, even the Blue Jays. These teams are going to be staying in it, um, in the hunt down the stretch. So this Yankees team has no one to blame but themselves. They have to improve. They have to find a way to hit more consistently and it's, it's really hard to have any confidence in this team right now. I think just from an objective perspective, I certainly don't. Yeah, over the last 100 games, they're 50 and 50. So they're just like, they are objectively mediocre. And you talked about Seve. He's been a thing all year where when a guy is coming back from Tommy John, I just don't think you can ever trust them to be there for the next two years. Like he's someone that I, I don't even count him right now. I did it before the injury. We saw at the Mets too. Noah Syndergaard. He's probably going to be out for the year now. He got sidelined. I know Seve's injury is unique because it was, it was a groin injury and that's, you know, kind of a freak thing. It's not the arm and the shoulder that's been the issue, but 
that's something where, you know, it really sucks for Seve. Um, you hope he can get back and we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I think there's another really interesting point. Mike brought up the Rays. And I know that there's a lot of criticism with the Yankees roster construction and all that. But I think if you really look at it, it is just the production because the Rays, they lead the MLB in strikeouts, right? That's been a thing that the Yankees have been criticized for a ton, you know, leading the league in strikeouts, the walks, strikeouts, home runs, the true three outcomes, you know, that that's a thing you kill them for. The teams that do that the most this year are the Rays, Giants, and Brewers. Those are all playoff teams right now. All three are leading their division. So I don't think it's necessarily the entire philosophy. It's just the production, right? The Yankees have been top two in home runs the last three years, number one over the last four plus years, but they're 13th this year. And when you drop that and when you don't get timely hitting, it all boils up. They're hitting ground balls at a shocking rate. They have more than double, double plays of like any other team in baseball. And I think that's where it goes down to because obviously – you know, you want to have some lefties that produce. And that, I think, is the real criticism. Austin Meadows, I think I said this last show, and they haven't played a home game since, but Austin Meadows has the most home runs at Yankee Stadium by a lefty this year with two. So when you get no production from the left side of the plate and that's kind of an advantage of your ballpark, I think that's poor roster construction. But, like, no one was complaining in 2017, 18, 19, when these guys were just hitting home runs all over the place, right? Like, when they were producing, it was fun to watch, and they were hitting with the best of everyone. It was the pitching that held them back. And it's frustrating this year because once you get the confident pitching, you finally do get the ace that was holding you back. The offense falls apart, and everyone's hitting under the Mendoza line, and no one gets timely hits, and everyone grounds the double plays. And it's just kind of a snowball effect here where – they kind of have wasted the golden years of this kind of run that they have on because it's been, what, four years now where they've really had this core group of guys. They have absolutely nothing to show for it, no World Series appearances. They've came, you know, their closest was their first year where they shocked the world and were one game away from a World Series appearance. And since then, they haven't gotten back to that point. Now you're looking at Aaron Judge one and a half years out of free agency. I know there was some talk on Twitter yesterday. Somebody said they should look into trading him if they're not serious about re-signing him, one, there's no reason that they shouldn't be serious about re-signing him. But, you know, when you've wasted his kind of whole rookie deal now, and it's not just him, right? You have Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, all these guys that are looming towards free agency and you have nothing to show for it. It really is a concern. And that's why I think this year, while you still have that, you have to be aggressive. You have to go out and get guys. I don't care who you're paying. I don't care if you have the second highest payroll in baseball. If you're inflated the luxury tax, you have to shatter the luxury tax. Look what the Dodgers did. They shattered it. They were rewarded with the World Series. I don't think you can worry about paying 40 cents on the dollar, whatever it is, when you're a billionaire and house sign banner. You have to look at this team. You have to talk to Brian Cashman. They have a short window here. It's not the baby bombers anymore. They have, I think, like their average age is like 29. It's like fifth best in baseball, right? They're not this young, up-and-coming team. This is – your team, and you have to add to that. And I think it starts with the lineup, right? Get some lefties in there, get a Cattell Marte, get an Adam Frazier, you know, get a guy from the left side of the plate who gives you a new dimension. And then I look at the rotation too, because we saw Herman kind of settled back into what we expected, a solid number three. He has a 3-8 ERA after getting shelled in Philly. Jordan Montgomery, you know he's not going to be spectacular. And with the Corey Kluber injury, you don't really have a solid number two here. So I would go for it. I really would. I would shatter the luxury tax. I would trade the prospects because I don't want to waste another year. You know, people want to fire Boone. And I think that's like, is Boone the reason that DJ isn't hitting? Is the reason Clint isn't hitting? Luke Voigt's not injured because of Boone. 
the thing that's frustrating with him is kind of his attitude and his press conferences. And if you believe that you can create a spark firing him, then go for it. But I think that the guys in that room like him and respect him too much to the point where that's not going to be the major spark. I just think you have to roll with him. And I don't think firing a manager midseason is any recipe for success, right? I don't want to punt 2021. The Yankees shouldn't either. They have to try to make it work at the end of the year. If you are still underperforming and Aaron Boone is at the helm, you need a fall guy. So I have no problem there. But right now I'd be aggressive. I'd go for number two starter. I'd get a bat. I'd even look at another bat in Joey Gallo. I'd get two of those three guys I just mentioned. And I would really, you know, take a look in the mirror and understand like Clint Frazier isn't hitting. Do you want to have the left field be a non-factor all year and kind of wait on him? Because I don't think you should. Brett Gardner is an absolute zero at the plate right now. I wouldn't want him starting any games for this team. So you just have to look at it with in the mirror and be objective because this isn't the same fun upstart Yankees they've been the last few years. This is a 15-50 club over the last 100 games, and they're just not performing right now, 33-32. and 32. I think that kind of is overperforming still. I don't think that their performance has matched that record. They are lucky to be above 500. They're lucky to be nine games out of first place right now. The way they've played, they just have to pick it up. They have to get hot, and time is running out. Yeah, I think, Ryan, you made some key interesting points there, but I, I don't subscribe to the belief they need to go out and get someone. I know we de- disagree about this. I mean, I don't think they're one piece away. I mean, I think this line of – They need multiple pieces that they should get. I just don't think that spending is the answer. I mean, you look at teams that have sold at the, in the offseason that are in the first place in the division. I mean, the Rays sold, and they are in the first place. They traded for relievers and prospects, and they're doing really well this year. The Cubs did the same thing with Darvish. Now, you can say – if they had Darvish, they might be the best team in the NL. I think that could act, honestly be an argument. Yeah, Darvish is like the number one piece that they're missing right now. A hundred percent, but they are still in first base, uh, first ba- uh, first place because guys have stepped up in response. Zach Davies has been great for them. Kyle Hendricks has been on and off, but if he heats up by the end of the year, they have a nice one-two in their rotation. I just think that the Yankees' answers are in-house. How many times did the Yankees went out and spend it in the offseason, and they haven't seemed like they have progressed much? I think they need to work in-house like teams like the Rays do that are beating them in their own division. I don't know how a team with less than half of your payroll, like the Rays, which have less than 50% of the Yankees' payroll, is beating you in the division. I don't think the answer would be to go out and spend. I think that's just continuing to feed into the problem. You're, you're paying for guys that either A, don't produce, or B, aren't healthy. And I think that's what the Yankees have done. Why I mean, would you standard. keep it in-house then? If, if the guys because, they have don't produce and they're not healthy, why would you let them ride it out? Because I think that the answer is with prospects and developing that way. Guiding guys like Stanton, who have been probably played 50% of his games with the Yankees healthy, is an issue. And I think that if you go out and get a guy like Ketel Marte, who has been, in, my, um, in your defense, great for the Diamondbacks, who could be a good piece for the Yankees, there's no guarantee he performs just as good as the guys that we have right here. And I think that the Yankees' answer would to just be continue to work with the guys in-house. And that's been the problem for years. They'd go out and buy, and they haven't gotten anywhere past the ALCS in the past five years. But he's hitting 343. Like, what prospects do you want them to call up? Because that's my thing. If they had, you know, a farm system, if they had a Glaber Torres in the wings or something like that, that's one thing. But this is not a good farm system anymore. All those guys that were the baby bombers that look towards the future, they're now on this team and not hitting and you don't have the capital you once had, there's no answers in AAA right now. You know, you're calling up a Chris Giddens, a 27-year-old journeyman to hit six for you, right? There's no answer in-house. And I don't think you said they're not one piece away. I didn't say it. Like, they need to go out and get multiple guys. 
you can't waste this year. I don't trust these guys who aren't performing, as you said, and are injured to just flip a switch. Uh, Ketel Marte was hitting 343. There's no reason that he should just fall off. I would trust him to hit more than I trust a Clint Frazier right now. I trust an Adam Frazier more than a Clint Frazier or a Brett Gardner right now. So I would go and get multiple guys. You know, there's no prospect in AAA who's going to be a solid number two. If a Max Scherzer is available in the last year of his deal, a Kyle Gibson, you go out and get them. You're going to trust Corey Kluber to come back? I'm not. Debbie Garcia has a six ERA right now in AAA. You're going to trust him to fill in that rotation spot? I'm not. I think they have to be aggressive here. I will say this here. You guys are going to cut you off for a second. I, I think we're talking about with this Yankees team, if I were a player, let's say on, on, a, <clears throat> on a team like Arizona, and I know they're not winning right now, or any of these teams that are looking to deal players, coming into New York is a very tricky situation right now. They aren't playing well. There's a ton of pressure around this team. Aaron Boone has faced a lot of uh, a lot of controversy of the way he's answering questions, over the way he's dealing with this team losing games. There's a lot of pressure in New York in general, but there's even more right now because, like you said, Ryan, the window is closing and, and things are starting to fall apart here for this Yankees team as all these rookie contracts are going to be gone. So it's a little tricky to just say Cattell Marte will fit in this spot mm-hmm. because you don't really know how a guy is going to play in an environment like New York in a situation they're in right now where there's a ton of pressure around this team. There's a ton of pressure to win right now and turn things around like immediately. So for me, that's another element you kind of have to add into this. I don't think the answer is in-house. Like you said, I think it's, it's a tricky situation because they do need more than one piece, but is this Yankees team, is this organization really willing to go out and get more than one piece at the deadline? That's my question. I don't, I don't think they are. But I say, and the thing that I would say, and this is also to Ryan, is that are you willing to unload a majority of your top farm system Absolutely. and maybe deep reliever guys for one or two years to gamble. I mean, I don't think the Yankees are two or three pieces away from contending with the Dodgers, the Padres, or the White Sox. I really don't think so. I mean, this team is lucky, like you said, to be above 500. And even if you get Ketel Marte and maybe a serious starter, are they better than the Dodgers and Padres? And if the goal is to win World Series, I don't see the answer is to rushing right now to go grab two or three guys and unloading a bunch of farm system guys that is a huge gamble to make and I'm not willing to do that if I'm in the Yankees position and I think that if you are and if you think that this roster is good enough to be two or three pieces away from making a push of the playoffs then that's one move but I'm not of the belief that the Yankees are even one or two pieces let alone three pieces away from even pushing for the wild card I think even if you get a Cato Marte and a serious starter it's still going to take a lot to outpush the Blue Jays and the Red Sox for that it's still division. Going to take, it's still going to take the starters to produce more. It's still going to take the guys take... in-house to play better. That's the thing. And that's why it's a little bit of a risk, because you still need those guys to produce. If that doesn't happen, you're not making the playoffs. Yeah, Sam, exactly that. I mean, it's, even if you get Ketel Marte, you need, eight of, you need seven of the eight positional players to still come and hit every single day. And if you get one starter, you need the other three or four guys to still be there. I know Cole might be – a lock, but even if you get another starter that's going to give you six, seven innings and two earned runs, maybe each start, you still need two or three guys that are going to perform. And like guys like Paxton, the Yankees have signed who have come to New York and have not done well. Pitching in New York is a completely different thing. And if you get a guy transplant someone to this roster midseason with all this pressure, he's going to get killed by the New York media. So it's no guarantee that he's the guy you trade for. So for all those reasons, 
I don't see like what are the Yankees rushing to do? If you happens in house and the talent you have can turn it around midseason, then of course that is a huge W for the Yankees. But to go out and buy and unload farm system guys to go rush for a, a season that is basically almost you are it's looking there, looking like in the rearview mirror of the playoffs right now. I'm not willing to do that if I'm in the Yankees position. Ryan, maybe you are, but that might just be where we differ. Yeah, I mean, I actually just think you made my point for me because we've established that the Yankees have a short window here, right? So it's not rushing trading these farm system guys to go out and get help. It's using your window and understanding that you can win now, right? The Yankees still have talent. And obviously, if they go and get a Cattell Marte, they're going to still need their guys to produce. They're not going to win anyway if they're not going to produce. So, you know, what – well, what are we doing here? Like, but you don't think you lose five, ten years down the line if you unload a bunch of picks? Then you're constantly buying or buying. It's a constant cycle. Think the Cubs are great trading Glaber Torres for Old Chapman and winning a World Series? No. The no, Yankees they don't, don't even have a role. Not been very good right now. And the Yankees don't have a Glaber Torres in the farm system. I think that's your point. All the guys they have that are touted, Mike, are four or five years down the line in their ETA to come up. And so, are you going to wait till Aaron Judge is a forty million dollar player? Are you going to yeah, wait? The till Cubs be- were a much different team. In 26, are you going to wait until you're paying Stan and Judge a combined eighty million dollars plus Garrett Cole plus a Glaber Torres plus a Luke Voigt for these farm system guys to come up? Like, is that that's irresponsible to me? And to just punt on this year, like you just said, if you don't believe they are two or three pieces away, then how are zero pieces the answer? How how can three pieces not give this team maximize their ability to win? But how can zero pieces and not add anything? Be the answer. I think you have to go aggressive here. You have to be all out and just being complacent and sitting on this roster when it's been a hundred games of 500 baseball is not the answer, you know, to just look at it like, Oh, it's the New York media. He's probably going to collapse is I also think kind of irresponsible because then what's the point of anything? What's the point of ever acquiring guys outside the organization? If they're just going to crumble, right? It's not like everyone just immediately collapses. What was the point of signing a DJ LeMayu? That was a move that was criticized at the time. Has he been in the head of the lights? Absolutely. A guy like Max Scherzer, you think he's going to cave to the bright lights of New York? He's been in World Series. He's pitching the biggest games. I'm not worried about that. And I don't think that's a reason you don't make a move. I think to just look at the New York aspect and be like, oh, well, you know, he might, he has, he's going to be under pressure. So he's going to collapse. I think that is not fair when you're hitting 343 with a 918 OPS. So that is why I would personally, I just think you have to go out and make moves and they're not one move away, but three or four are that, is that going to help and maximize their chances while they have this core under contract and at their prime? Yes, it is. But I mean, my, my response would be, do you think there's six or seven positional players, even with the one or two you're adding that are going to perform well enough to take them to the playoffs? I mean, right now it's no guys. And that's why I'm saying, I mean, judge, I mean, Andrew Har is hitting very well now. I mean, certain guys are heating up or shell is looking a little better, but there's still a not, enough talent there in my opinion that it's even two or three uh, pieces away at the very most and that's why I don't believe that giving up a farm system is enough is, is worth it enough to try and capitalize on this window I don't, I don't think the Yankees have the roster enough to even make a push for the playoffs even if you get like a Kittel Marte at the very best I don't see a scenario where you get both him and Scherzer and I think that could be dreaming but if that happens then that would be a huge move for the Yankees. But unless you get two dominant guys, like I don't think the roster is there enough to be able to pick up guys like Keita Martin and expect them to now suddenly leap the Red Sox and raise in this division. So do you want to blow it up then? Because then I feel like what's the point of even, what's the point of going half in half out when you have these guys in their prime? 
That's that's. I, mean, I don't think. I mean, it's mid season. It's not like it's an off season right now, and you have to blow up in the off season. I think that if you let these guys try to figure it out, and then you can reevaluate at the end of the year, that's one thing. But to scramble right now and then unload draft picks and then not even make the playoffs would be awful for the Yankees. All right. Um, we just spent a lot of time on the Yankees. I hate I hate to play a host here, but we do have another team in New York. Yeah. So we do have another team in New yeah. York. Yeah. So let's let's get to the good. That was a lot of bad. Let's end with some positives here. And obviously the Mets have been, you know, we'll go into surprises in a little. And if you look at before the year, if you said the Mets were eight games over 500, you know, you would say that's pretty good. You'd probably expect that with the amount of talent they had. But when you look at the lineups they're throwing out there and you look at the IL list, it's shocking. And it's a really, it's credit to what they've been able to do. It's so interesting because Luis Roas has been a guy who I feel like was a leading target to get fired. Mets fans were just waiting for him to make the wrong decision wait for him to blow up. But now I feel like he's a real candidate for NL manager of the year. The way they've been able to not only stay afloat, but thrive. We saw it last night, David Peterson, who was a guy who had struggled a lot this year. You know, he stuck with him. He gives you six scoreless innings, one hit. Sam, you were covering the game. You've been covering the Mets all year. You know, I know it's kind of the same thing every week. There's no new developments, but they keep on winning. They're beating good teams now with the Padres and Cubs. What are you seeing from the Mets that's been able to keep them afloat and stay apart the NL East? Well, that, that David Peterson start, I think, is huge because the biggest concern, I would say, with this Mets team, at least going into the last couple of days, was the back end of their rotation. Um, because you have DeGrom, you have Stroman, and then you have Taiwan Walker, three guys that are all all-stars and are all really good pitchers um, to lead this rotation. But then there's a huge drop-off um, to Joey Lucchese, who has been pitching better lately, but... It's more of a bullpen game when he takes the mound because he's more of an opener. Rojas doesn't like having him go basically over any over five innings. And then David Peterson, who in his last two starts, he went only he went three innings combined in those two starts and gave up a ton of runs. Um, so having him come back and bounce back and pitch better is huge. Saves the bullpen a lot, um, which it was really back-to-back bullpen days after those three starters, which was a big concern for this Mets team, especially with Carrasco hurt especially with Syndergaard hurt when those guys, if, if I think Syndergaard's more of a, you know, late August uh, timetable, but Carrasco, it seems like it's pretty realistic. He'll come back, join the rotation, maybe be that number four, which would help take a lot of pressure off Lucchese and David Peterson right now. But these guys do have to come up big at the moment before Carrasco's back in Peterson. Maybe this past start yesterday is a step in the right direction. It definitely is a step in the right direction. Maybe it's a sign of him, starting to get more confident. He's a young pitcher, which I think he needs more confidence. And um, maybe that's a big sign for them because that's really the Mets. That was their biggest weakness. Outside of that, I mean, the lineup just continues to hit no matter who's in it, no matter who's out of it, um, which is huge. Billy McKinney's been great. Guillaume coming back has been really good for them. BR has been good. Pilar, go down the list that that lineup has been really good. Um, and the bullpen's been great. Edwin Diaz has been lights out. He struck out the side last night. Uh, for his 13th save, that was huge. Um, I think this team is just, it's, re- it's, it's, it's really hard not to be super excited and optimistic about them. Everything seems to just be trending in the right direction. They do have a very tough schedule right now. Um, that was one of the strikes with this team is that, oh, they've, they've been taking advantage of a pretty soft schedule. Not anymore. I mean, they just played a series. They played two series with the Padres. They handled, took care of business, did what they had to do. They have the Cubs right now, who's another good team. Then they have a ton of divisional games. They have, you know, tons of games with the Braves, Nationals. Um, 
and the Phillies as well. So this is kind of a make-or-break period, I think, for this Mets team this next couple weeks heading to the All-Star break. They need to continue to play well. But for me, I'm not too worried because the way the, the energy and excitement around this team is just refreshing, especially we just came from talking about the Yankees where the energy is just terrible at the moment and nothing seems to be going right. For this Mets team, everything is going right. The energy, the confidence is, is just exciting and fun to watch when you come to the ballpark and watch them play. I've enjoyed covering them, obviously. Watching them win so many times is always fun. So. Um, yeah, it's been a great team, but this, this next couple weeks before the All-Star break, they have a ton of games in a really short amount of time, a lot of doubleheaders. It's going to be a big make-or-break time, I think, especially for the back end of the rotation, making sure that that bullpen stays fresh, stays healthy for more important games down the stretch in September, October. A lot of games in a short amount of time, so and a lot of divisional opponents. So you got to watch out for the Mets over the coming weeks. It, it's a big couple weeks, but I trust this team. I, I really do with the way they've been playing lately. Yeah, I think Sammy makes some great points. There's a lot to like with this Mets team. It's going to be, I think, easier to shift gears to the Mets from the Yankees because it's a much nicer team to talk about uh, if you're in New York. I mean, they're playing really good baseball right now. I mean, they're second-best team ERA in MLB, and they have been finding ways to put together hits and win ball games. And I think, like you said, the Padres series, the way they handled them, and then the first game of the series against the Cubs, I mean, they're playing well against these good teams. And then if you when you win a game like that with Peterson on the mound against the Cubs – it's great for the team to moving forward. And that's a team you might see down the road in the playoffs. So, I mean, this Mets team has all the makings of a team that could go somewhere, win a division and possibly contend in the first playoff series, which is a lot for them considering the steps they've made to get to this point. And and if you look at just in the last 15 days, I mean, they're seventh in the MLB in homers. They're sixth in the MLB in OPS. They have the 10th most runs. I mean, They've been finding a way to put together a product hitting wise, which has always been the problem for the Mets to win ball games. So, I mean, all those things, you got to be confident if you're in the Mets front office, if you're a Mets fan, this is a team that looks like it's probably the best in the NL East better than the Braves, which I think surprises a lot of people, which we're going to get to later. But I think this is a good place for the Mets to be. And again, if you're a Mets fan, you got to love to see this. Yeah, I mean, the stark contrast between how the fact that me and Mike are Yankees fans and we are just going at each other, at the bottom line, if we were winning right now, like the Mets are, we wouldn't be arguing. And so I think this, the thing with the Mets, too, which is so much positive, is they're just going to get better, right? The lineup right now is gritty. They're grinding it out. But they're going to get a ton of reinforcements once these guys do come back. Jeff McNeil, J.D. Davis, Nimmo and Conforto. And, you know, once that happens – Really, all you need is an average lineup with this rotation. The big three that they have, DeGrom, Stroman, Taiwan Walker, who will pitch tonight, they all have a sub-240 ERA. That is recipe for success, especially in the playoffs. You know, the recipe, what they have going on right now is such such a, like, it's what wins, right, in October, right? It's good rotations. It's timely hitting, and that's what they're doing. And they're getting timely hits with Francisco Lindor. He's still struggling. You know, he's figuring out a little bit. He's slowly getting that average up. The OPS still at 660. So certainly a lot to be desired there. And you have to expect that to get better. But if they just keep getting it done barely and then the pitching stays the way it is, this isn't just an NL East, you know, favorite here. This is a team that can legitimately make a World Series. If they're able to keep shutting down these good lineups, the way they just shut down the Padres, who I think we all expect to be, you know, in the contention, in the conversation at the end of the day, it's just a lot of good for the Mets right now, and I don't think there's really 
too much negative. Obviously, you talked about the pen. Trevor May struggled yesterday. You could look, you know, kind of to go there, Sam. But right now, like, there's really not much to complain about. They're going to get better, and they're up four games in their division. And if you just keep winning, right, you talked about how early in the year it was they were just beating the bad teams, and they started the year, I think, 2-10 and 10 against above 500 teams. That's kind of flipped here with the Padres series, and then the Cubs win yesterday. So if they're able to keep winning – there's no reason that Mets team can't be a legit World Series contender. That's been the narrative all year. It's like um, you could talk about all the injuries. You could talk about everything kind of seemed like it was going wrong for this Mets team. Lindor wasn't hitting. McCann wasn't hitting. You know, a bunch of guys were really struggling. But at the same time, it was always pointing back to, well, the team is still in first place. And, and the NL East is not, not very good right now. Um, there's no surprise there. I mean, there is a surprise there, but um, – with the Braves not playing too well, the Phillies are actually in second place right now, I believe. So um, that's, that's a little bit of a surprise. I think the Annalise will get better. It's only a matter of time, but throughout the whole year, no matter what the Mets have been through, resilience is, is, is a great word because they're still in first place. They're finding a way to get things done with the lineup that they have and the guys that they're coming out. And these bench guys that were previously, you know, like definitely role players, bench players for other teams. They've never really been starters. Some of them, they're getting huge, huge doses of confidence being able to be in the lineup every single day and, and, and producing. You know, Billy McKinney is a good example. Even Kevin Pillar, who is uh, somewhat of a veteran, but is finding an everyday role with this team, which I don't think any of those guys expected. But they're, they're getting confident. They're playing well. It's going to be an interesting scenario when Nimmo and Conforto and, and J.D. Davis come back, comes back from injury all of a sudden, do you take out the guys from the bench that are, that are still hitting and playing really well and producing for these starters that, you know, obviously have been hurt most of the season? So that'll be an interesting little thing for Rojas to have to navigate through. Um, kind of a good problem to have, though. Yeah, it is. Exactly. It's a great problem to have. And, and no matter what negative you can say about the Mets, you just look at the standings and you're reminded about how good they are playing right now. And that's the bottom line. I mean, they're, if they're going to continue to to pitch well with those – um, those three starters, the Lions going to continue to produce, which it seems like they're going to, no matter who they play, you know, as you've seen, the Padres, the Cubs, we've got, you know, tons of divisional opponents, no matter who they match up against, you got to like their chances with a very solid rotation down the stretch coming in and then even into, into the playoffs here in October, you know, that rotation, the lineup doesn't even really need to go out and score a bunch of runs. Like you said, Ryan, the, the lineup doesn't have to do too much with, with a dominant rotation, especially if you get Carrasco back. I don't know. This Mets team, I don't want to be overly optimistic here, but, but they, they, look, they look like they're primed for, for October with the way they're playing right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I just to add to this with a quick point, I, I think if you, when you juxtapose the Yankees and the Mets, I mean, the Mets have 33 wins, the Yankees have 33 wins. The Mets have played seven less games than the Yankees. So when you just look at that, I think that really shows you how successful this Mets team has been compared to the counterparts in the Bronx. Yeah, 100%. And so staying on that subject of the Mets being surprised, we're going to wrap up the show here. We're just around the league because obviously we know the foreign substance thing is a big thing, but we've talked about it a lot on the show. So we thought we'd kind of just go around the league here. We'll start with some positives. Sam, I'll start with you. Is there any kind of right now? I know it's still early, right? It's 45%. I think I said earlier. So obviously things can change, but right now I think we're getting a good idea of what teams are here to stay what teams are kind of out of it? Is there anyone right now that kind of sticks out to you? 
Yeah, actually, I have two positives. Um, you know, first in the American League with the Rays. I mean, we talked about them earlier. The fact that they lost Blake Snell, they lost Charlie Morton, two guys that were prominent in their rotation in October. And they're still finding a way to win ball games. It's, it's almost like you can just book it that the Rays are going to win every single year, no matter who they, they have in the lineup. You know, we talked about how the Yankees on paper, that lineup looks great. For the Rays, their whole team on paper, it doesn't look as good as they're playing right now. And that's kind of, I feel like, how it always is. They find a way to put pieces together and win games. So that's a huge, I would say, a surprise for most people because everyone thought, okay, the Yankees, this is their division to lose. Right now, it looks like it's the Rays' division to lose, the way they've been playing lately. They, they're the favorite in my eyes with how they've been playing. Um, so I would say that's a surprise. I don't think anyone thought they would be terrible because, like I said, everyone seems to think the Rays will at least be decent. But to be this good, to be playing this well, I think is definitely a surprise to a lot of people. And then my other pick in the National League is the Giants. I mean, when you, when you say surprise, my first thought is the San Francisco Giants. I like that the standings today, and people aren't talking about this enough. They're in first place in the NL West. And I know it's early, but that division we thought Padres and Dodgers. Those two, whether that be one or two, we weren't sure. Those team, and those teams are still there. They're still, you know, hanging around in the division, and I'm sure those will be two of the teams at the end of the year. But this Giants team deserves a ton of credit. In first place, the NLS, playing really well. Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford are all-stars this year. They, it seems like they're on their way to uh, all-star games. Brandon Crawford has 15 homers this year, which is, like, crazy to say. But, uh, um, you know, so the, the Giants team, you got to give them a ton of credit. And I wouldn't be shocked come playoff time if this NL West might have three teams in the playoffs. You know, we talked about maybe the AL East having three teams in the playoffs. The NL West very well could, too, between the Dodgers, Padres, and even the Giants. They might be able to sneak in and grab a, maybe a second wild card, which I think is concerning if you are in the NL East, because if you don't win that division or even the NL Central, because in the NL Central, you got the Cubs and the Brewers, one of those teams is going to be left out. And they might not only be left out of the division, but completely left out of the playoff picture if this Giants team continues to produce and play well, because they might snag that second wild card and maybe steal it from either the Brewers or Cubs or maybe even the Braves or Phillies in the NL East, assuming the Mets win the division. So I, you got to mention the Giants because of how well they've been playing. I don't know if they can sustain it. Um, you know, West Coast baseball, a lot of people on the East Coast don't quite know too much about it just because, you know, late start times and all that kind of stuff. But they deserve a ton of credit for how they've been playing right now. And they're definitely a fun team to watch. Yeah. Uh, for, for my two teams, I, I started in the NL central where uh, I mentioned them earlier in the show, Chicago Cubs who have been, I think a surprise to a lot of people. They look like they were sellers. They're in massive debt entering the season and they flip that around to have a, a ball club that's tied for first in the NL central with the Brewers. I mean, this is a team that is really built on the home run ball in the last 15 days, they lead the league with 28 homers. And throughout that span, they also have a top bottom 10 batting average. So they're really built on the long ball. And when that's on, they're one of the tougher teams to be in the MLB. And they swept the Cardinals. They took four out of five from the Padres over two series. And the only thing that's really missing, we talked about earlier is this lack in starting pitching. Obviously if they have Darvish, they look a lot better right now, but Zach Davies has stepped up. I mentioned him earlier. If Kyle Hendricks finds his groove, he's going to be a solid one or two for a team, in my opinion. And they need a guy like Jake Arrieta to be a legit three. So I think if all that comes together, they've got the bullpen to back it up. 
But if they can find the starting pitcher, uh, starting pitching, and it can start to get going, they could be a contender in the NL. And then over in the AL, we'll go back to the Eastern side of the MLB, the Red Sox. I've been a real okay. big surprise for a lot of people. I think a lot of teams were, uh, a lot of people were expecting this lineup to hit. They've got the hitting. You got J.D. Martinez, you got Bogarts, Alex Verdugo, all guys hitting over 285. But the starting pitching has been very interesting. They really don't have any one ace. Nathan Avaldi is their number one right now, which is kind of shocking. But they find ways to put together wins. But this is also why I don't see them being contenders down the line. They're 17th in ERA, and they have the fifth most wins in the MLB. So that is bound not to stay that way. It is not – um, a strong correlation, and eventually the wins will come down. The starting pitching will get bounced early, and they're going to struggle to find wins. They need someone like Chris Sale to hopefully return and give them a top guy at the rotation, but I'm not high on the Red Sox, but they are right now second in the ALE, so they haven't put together something that surprised a lot of people. Yeah, maybe it's because I've been watching Yankees baseball here that I actually went with some negative here. Um, I don't know if that maybe kind of fueled my mind. It's been on some bad baseball. But speaking of bad baseball, it's what the Atlanta Braves are playing right now. And they're a disappointment because I feel like people forget that they had the Dodgers on the ropes in game five, up 3-1 in the NLCS last year, and then completely fell apart. And then this year, you know, they add to the rotation. They get Morton. They look like they're going to be contenders yet again. And so far, they're 30-33. and 33. They just haven't been – that at all they're wasting a monster year from Ronald Acuna 18 homers 987 OPS and Freddie Freeman who won the MVP last year he's not been that guy this year 237 uh he's still you know he's still hitting homers I'm sure he'll improve but that's been a huge disappointment for them Marcel Azuna who they gave that huge contract to in the offseason he was hitting 213 now I don't think he'll ever step on the diamond again obviously he has some domestic assault charges and that doesn't look like it's going to go away anytime soon for him so that's been a massive failure for them Husker Yanoa who was kind of a breakout in that rotation he had a three ERA he broke his hand punching you know a dugout bench and I think that's a perfect way to you know recap the brave season it's been so frustrating Max Freed's taken a step back 4.62 ERA you don't know when Mike Soroka he's dealing with that Achilles that's going to be a huge question mark and with all the talent they have, they should not be 30 and 33, especially when you look at the NLEs and how weak it's been, right? The Mets are taking advantage of it, even with all these injuries. That should be the Braves right now. The Braves should be the team that's up huge and is looking towards the playoffs with everything they have. We expected the Braves and Mets to kind of battle for it. But the Braves are the team that's the way more healthy, and they have not done so at all. So really disappointed at the start in their year, obviously – you know, disclaimer here, with so much time left, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they still win 95 games and the division just because of the talent they have. But so far, I think you just have to look at them as a really big disappointment, kind of the Yankees of the NL, I feel like so far with the expectations they had. And I guess I'll go with one positive here. It's kind of just a player. Obviously, the Blue Jays overall have been pretty competitive, and they've been led by Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's had really, I guess, the breakout of baseball right now. Um, it's interesting because he had so much hype, right, coming up that rookie year. And even in that 2020, he was really just an average, slightly above average hitter. We were waiting for him to put it together. And this year, I still think he shattered the expectations. He's the triple crown leader in the AL right now. And he also is leading baseball and RBIs and homers overall. And he's only 22 years old. So this guy is going to get better. He's really, you know, the expectations, he's lived up and surpassed all of them. 450 on base. He's first in war. 
amongst hitters. And he's the first player 22 or younger to lead the league in the Triple Crown, you know, 60-plus games into a year since Al Kaline in 1955. So what he's doing is really unprecedented. Uh, I wanted to go with a little positive here. He's been, I think, the most feared hitter in the AL this year. I know when the Yankees play him, it's like you cross your fingers every time. If he's 0 for 3 game one, you know game two he's going to hit. And that's been – he's been leading the charge all year. Obviously, there's still, I think, a few – maybe a year away from really competing. But he's been the MVP of the AL. Um, you know, obviously, Shohei, both sides. But Flagler Jr., you're triple crown. You're the, you're the MVP in my book. And I think to do it at 22 is just really impressive. Yeah, Vladdy has been, I mean, it's a good point that you mentioned, uh, you know, last year because he had a ton of hype around him, played okay, didn't do as well as a lot of people expected. And then after that, he kind of just like not fell off, but people didn't start talking, didn't talk about him as much, which was shocking with a guy like him. I mean, it's it's a can't miss guy. Um, And then this year, obviously, now he's gaining everyone's attention again, which I think is awesome. It's a great story. This Blue Jays team and that offense is incredible. They are probably a year or two away pitching wise, but they're always fun to watch. We'll say that, especially watch. Yeah. So I think we'll end the show right here. Uh, it was a really good one. I think we went longer, you know, than we expected on the Yankees, but good stuff guys. Nosebleeds will be back next week and it's a production of WFUV sports.